On this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp, we're going to be talking about digital versus physical. Uh, Xbox is poised to save us some money. And Final Fantasy XV's director is doing something very, very different. Let's get started. everybody we are back with another friday episode of run jump stomp thank you very much for tuning in and hanging out before we get started i want to remind everybody this is run jump stomp your thoughts on games uh this this show lives and dies by your interaction so uh whatever you're doing right now take a take a quick break download that anchor app to your phone either on ios or android uh search for run jump stomp Hit the little voice message button, hold the phone up to your ear, and tell me what you want to talk about for gaming, because this is your show. Uh, make sure that you join us. Use that Anchor app and leave a voicemail. Keep it under uh, keep it under a minute, though, because it will cut you off. Okay. Uh, I didn't get any calls this week, but that's okay, because I reached out on Twitter and I said, what do you guys want me to talk about? And I got a few different um, responses. Uh, so first off, we've got uh, Francisco uh, Ramos uh, tweeted at me. He said, so I'm a couple of hours into Hellblade. Uh, I'm assuming he means on Nintendo Switch. Uh, and he says, and it runs great. Should this be a wake-up call to other AAA developers that good-looking games can be ported to the Switch? And what games would make sense or would you like to see ported? I would like to see the Kingdom Hearts series. Okay, let's let's kind of take a look at Hellblade. I've not played Hellblade myself, so I don't know a lot about it. But what I do know is what I've seen in the videos, and the game seems to be a very slow, plodding game. And that is not, like, I'm not calling it out and saying that that's a bad thing or anything like that. I'm just simply saying... It's not a fast-moving game. And I, I feel like, as somebody who's not an engineer and not a programmer and not a video game developer, I feel like my gut tells me that because it's such a slower game, it can afford to spend a little more on the visuals. On, on the visuals and I don't mean like spend money-wise, but uh, I guess as, as far as resources... Uh, it can it can put more resources into making the game look really, really good on the Nintendo Switch, even though the Switch is underpowered. Uh, there, there was a video that I watched, and I talked about it on my Nintendo show, Nintendo Switchcraft, uh, where it was a comparison between the PS4, not the Pro version, but just the regular PS4 version, and the Nintendo Switch version. And the Nintendo Switch version looked a little more washed out as far as the colors, like the color palette didn't look as good. But for the most part, it looked pretty similar. It Like if you had set it down in front of me and not told me that that was the Switch version, I probably would have guessed that it was the PS4 version, if, if that makes sense. Uh, 
this game looks really nice. And I attribute it to being such a slow game. Now, if it's a much faster moving game, like Kingdom Hearts, then I think it would run into more problems looking the way it does. The reason for that is because there's a lot more of the game world that needs to be rendered at any one time. Because the because Hellblade has a very slowish... And let me know if I'm wrong, because again, I have not played Hellblade. I don't own it. Um, but because Hellblade has such a slowish feeling camera, that means the game only has to render so much of the screen because they don't have to worry about the camera flying off to the side and looking at something over on the right because the game is so slow looking. And I feel like that makes it look so much better. There's a lot of tricks that they can do in order to take a game that's running on uh, another system and port it to the Nintendo Switch and make it run pretty, pretty damn smooth. Uh, an example I'll give you is Doom. Uh, the 2016 Doom came out on PC and consoles, and that game was gorgeous. I played it on PC. I love that game. If you've not played Doom, I recommend if you've got a PC or a, a high-end console like the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One, play it there. Don't play it on the Nintendo Switch because it's a it's an inferior version. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't play it on Switch if you don't have access to the other stuff. Like, if you only have a Switch, then play it on Switch. But uh, you should definitely play Doom because it's fantastic, especially now that we've got a sequel on its way. Um, but one of the things that they did in order to get Doom to run better is they, they had, like, built this building on the non-Switch version, right? And they built the outside of the building, too. And as you, the character, um, the, you know, Doom guy, uh, the Marine, um, the Doom Slayer, whatever, whatever it is that we want to call him, as he moved around inside the building, he could look out the windows and see what was going on outside. And there wasn't much going on outside, but you could look out the window and see, oh, look, there's a landscape on Mars. And... Um, one of the things that they did, and, and I know what some people are probably thinking, oh, did they just get rid of the windows and not and not render that outside part? No, because you want to know that you're on Mars. You know what I mean? You want to be able to re be reminded of that every once in a while. You don't want to constantly be walking down a metal hallway because that, that can get boring after a while. And having those windows breaks up that monotony of the metal hallway and says, hey, remember, you're on Mars. And I think that's, you know, it's a very important part of, of the, the Doom experience is to realize that you are on this uh, foreign planet. And it's kind of cool. So, but what they did is rather than render, and, and I could be getting this slightly wrong because I'm, I'm talking about this from memory. And I watched this video like, I don't know, a couple months ago or something. Uh, but one of the things that they did is instead of getting rid of the window, because that would suck, they took a small section of the world that, that you would be able to see from outside the window. Like, uh, get up and walk up to a window and walk up to the wall next to the window and look out the window. Okay, now go to the other side of the window and do the same thing. And that area that you were able to see, 
they rendered only that area. And because they weren't rendering all this other crap that you couldn't necessarily see, they were able to uh, make the visuals pop just a little bit more. With a game like Hellblade, because you're not rendering so much of the scene at once, you're able to make that game look nicer. Uh, so basically, when you are a character in a game, think of the camera as your point of view, right? The part of the game that is behind you, behind the camera, that you would have to turn around to see, n unless I'm wrong about this, none of that is being rendered unless you turn and look at it. And this allows them to really up the visuals. So... Does this serve as a wake-up call to other AAA developers that good-looking games can be ported to the Switch? I don't know. Um, maybe. It depends on the game. It's really the answer, I guess, that I would give. Because if the game is too fast, then turning that camera really quickly is going to cause a bunch of slowdown. Um, I, it's just thinking back to my days of, of playing EverQuest. My computer was not quite up to the task of playing EverQuest. And so if I turned, like if I was walking, like let's say I was in um, Eastern Feliwith or something, or Northern Feliwith. And for those of you who never played EverQuest, I was in the Elf Zone, okay? Uh, so I'm in the elf zone, and if I'm going in a nice straight line, then the game would run pretty well. But as soon as I started turning, this is when that game first came out. As soon as I started turning left or right, and the game had to render in extra stuff, like my computer would say, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I'm, I could be wrong that this is why, uh, but that's the feeling that I got back when I was uh, when I was playing that game. Uh, another tweet that uh, that somebody sent to me was from Smashblock Games. They said, can you talk about digital versus physical sales with regard to owning games versus purchasing a license to play? With digital sales streaming services, you never really own a game. Gaming is moving towards these Netflix-type services, and it makes me want to buy physical more now to have something tangible. I can totally understand what you're saying. Let me just make sure that I catch everybody up on this. Uh, right now, there are a bunch of players in the video game space that are they're trying to move gaming from this tangible physical media more into the digital realm. And, you know, I would say this generation has been probably most successful with it. Um, the one that's probably succeeded the most for me is probably PlayStation. And the reason for that is because PlayStation, uh, we, have two, we have two PS4s in my house. We have a regular PS4 that belongs to my son, and we have a PS4 Pro that belongs to me. And if you buy a game digitally for your PS4, uh, and um, you have two PS4s, you can share that game between the two PS4s. So... Both my son, like like if I go out and I buy Spider-Man on the PS4, both my son and I can play Spider-Man on the PS4 
at the same time, which is really crazy. I mean, that's, that is a huge advantage for, for somebody in my situation to buy games digitally. And I feel like PlayStation has, because of that policy, they've gotten a lot more money out of me than they would have otherwise, I think, because I would have probably bought, if it, if it was on my Switch instead, or let's pretend that I have an Xbox where you don't have that same situation, uh, I would have bought probably a physical copy of a game, and I may have bought it used in order to save money, um, and then my son and I wouldn't be able to play at the same time, but we could pass the disc back and forth. The idea that both of us can play at the same time incentivizes me to pick up a digital version of a game, which is, you know, usually not on sale as often. Uh, I won't be able to buy it used, and I certainly can't resell it. So the, the, the video game developer, publisher, and the console maker, they're getting more money out of me than they would have otherwise because they've incentivized me to buy digitally. And I think that a lot more companies are working on that, like Microsoft. Microsoft has this rumored diskless uh, Xbox that's coming out. I don't know what the price is. Nobody does yet. We're expecting it to be announced, um, oh gosh, uh, later this month, I think. Uh, the 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 discless Xbox is supposed to be now um, announced. I think it's called the Xbox One s all digital edition i uh, you know if if they're selling those pretty well then they're going to be making more money and th this is going to destroy gamestop uh gamestop is gonna just go right down the tubes or they'll pivot and sell more think geek stuff because they bought think geek um you know be more of a place where people go to buy knickknacks rather than video games but that's beside the point i've been to become distracted by my own my own nonsense so Let's get back to what I was talking about. Uh, at the same time, we've got Google. Uh, Google is entering the market with Google Stadia. Google Stadia is this, a lot of people are equating it to the Netflix of games um, because you don't have any physical media. Uh, you don't even download anything. The game is run on Google servers and streamed to you over the internet. Um, all you have to buy, actually, you don't have to buy anything. All you have to have is a good internet connection and uh, access to Google Chrome or a Chromecast and a, uh, excuse me, and a controller, and then you're all set. Um, if you are interested in that topic, make sure you check out my uh, one of my other podcasts called StadiaCast. It's me and my buddy Lloyd, and we uh, record on Sundays, and we talk all about this stuff. Uh, but Google's got Stadia, and that's going to, like, there is absolutely no physical media there. Uh, there isn't even hardware, for crying out loud. So this idea of this digital versus physical, yeah, you are completely right, Smashblock, that the, the games, the gaming industry is moving in this direction away from physical media. And I think that this is good for the industry as a whole because 
it means that developers are going to get paid more for what they make. And the reason why I say that is because if I go to GameStop, and I, I know I make GameStop the devil a lot, but if I go to GameStop and I buy a used copy of Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, I go in there, I walk up, on, look on the shelf, Oh, look at there. There, There's this crazy uh, red-haired lady with a bow and arrow fighting robot dinosaurs. I'm going to pick this up. Oh, would you like to buy the used version, sir? Sure. How much is it? Well, it's $10 cheaper. Okay, I'll take it. So I just saved myself $10. But here's the thing. If I had bought the new version of that, I would have paid $60 for it. Or I don't, I don't know how much it costs right now. We're just going to pretend it's $60. I would have paid $60 for that. And the developer would have gotten some of that money. I don't know what percentage the, or the, the developer or the publisher and GameStop, they all would have split that $60 and the publisher and developer would have gotten a portion of that. However, by, by me buying the, the uh, used version, I am the, the developer and the publisher I'm saving $10, but they're getting $0. They're not getting any money. This is my this is probably my biggest problem with trading in games. Other than the fact that some there's some part of my brain that says, "Oh, you might play this again," and then I never do. Um trading these games in means that the people who make the games get paid less, and that disincentivizes them to make more games, if that makes sense. Uh, even though I get to have the same experience, I feel like I'm ripping them off. And it's, you know, I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not doing anything immoral. I'm just saving money. But by saving money, I'm making GameStop's pockets and coffers richer. And the game developers, the people who spent the the, the blood, sweat, and tears to make these games... I'm not supporting them at all. And that always that always kind of irks me and bothers me. And it's something that I've always wanted to be able to... It's something that I always wish would change. And I think that the publishers and developers are finally... Like, the technology has, has put them in a position where they can, pro, they can finally say, Look, we can now force you to support us if you want to play our games. And that sounds terrible... But if you want more get games, then damn it, you need to support the developers. And buying a used copy of the game, and this is not really what Smashblock's <laughs> comment is about. I meander when I talk, I'm sorry. Uh, but by buying a used copy of the game, you're not supporting the developer. Now, let's get back to Smashblock's uh, comment. Uh, they finished up their tweet by saying it makes me want to buy physical more now to have something tangible. And I, I totally get that. Having that, that thing in your hand is a very cool thing. On the shelf behind me, you can't see it because it's not a video show, but on the shelf behind me, I have a, a collector's edition of Night Trap. Night Trap for the Nintendo Switch, but it was originally the Sega CD game that got everybody upset and brought Congress down onto the heads of, of uh, Nintendo and Sega. 
And I've got this copy of Night Trap. It came with a damn VHS tape. How, how cool is that? That's really cool. But it came with the VHS tape. And, you know, it's not like I'm ever going to put that VHS tape into a VCR because who the hell has a VCR these days? Um, but I, I was, it, it's a tangible thing that I have in my hand. And I think that that's cool. And the idea of buying a physical thing in order to have something tangible makes a lot of sense. However, I have to point out that let's say that I go to GameStop and I walk into the store and even beside the point of supporting the devs or not supporting the devs, let's say I pick up a brand new copy of Horizon Zero Dawn because I want to support the devs. I, I bring it home. I put it on my PS4, and I have to install it. Then I have to patch it. And now it's ready to play, because I didn't really buy the tangible game. What I really bought, the thing that I, quote-unquote, own, is a license key. That's what the discs have become. They've become license keys. And the license keys... They can be revoked at any time. There is absolutely nothing protecting you from having your PS4, Xbox One, or Nintendo Switch library yanked away from you like, like a rug that you're standing on and you fall down and land on your, on your face. There's nothing stopping these companies from doing that, even if you own the physical media, unless your console has never gone online and never connects to the internet. That's the only way to stop that from happening. Now, do I think that companies like Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony are going to do that? Absolutely not. That would be really, really bad PR, and it would really tick people off. Um, however, it has happened to me. As somebody who gets review games from time to time, I have gotten review games on Steam, and the, the game that is given to me is like... Uh, you know, video game test, whatever. And I play the game and I talk about it. And then this happened. It's only happened, I think twice, but, uh, I've had those games disappear from my steam library after a few months. And I'm like, Oh, well, that was weird. I thought that that was permanently mine, but I guess it's not. It was just a way for them to let me test it. And if I want to continue to play that game, then I have to buy it. And I'm not, I'm, not complaining about that because I, I want to support uh, video game developers and video game development. But you don't really own the games that you have. The only time that you really own the games that you have is if you are never connected to the internet or if you're talking about old retro games, you know, things like those plastic cartridges with the chip inside for the Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, the um, the Nintendo Entertainment System, or TurboGrafx-16, all these old systems that never connected to the internet. Like, those systems, if you buy the game, you own the game. But this, the games these days, if you buy them, you don't really own them. And that's a... Uh, I guess it's a technicality, but it's an important distinction that I felt like I wanted to address. Uh, Boomer1989 
uh, tweeted at me. They said the best, what, what do you think is the best console slash handheld for playing a classic game? For example, maybe playing the original Mario on Switch wouldn't be the best experience. Maybe it's the NES or is it the 3DS, etc. All right. Uh, I don't have a definitive answer today. However, in a future episode, I'm going to be able to talk about a device which I ordered a few months ago. I ordered it a while back, and it's taken a very long time to get here. Now, I think... I think it's going to get here on Monday, which uh, today is uh, Friday the 12th. So it'll. I think it's supposed to get here on Monday, and I'm very, very excited for this. Uh, it is a BitBoy. That's B-I-T-T-B-O-Y. It is basically a retro pie kind of thing, but it's uh, it's like um, a little bit smaller than a game than an OG Game Boy, and uh, you can throw an SD card in there and play old games. Now, before you guys all start yelling at me about uh, video game piracy and things like that, I am, uh, okay. When given the opportunity to give developers money for retro games, I have a very good tendency to do so. I own a NES Classic, I own a Super Nintendo, actually I own two Super Nintendo Classics, I have pre-ordered a while back the Genesis uh, Classic that's on its way, and I have a PlayStation Classic. I also own the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. I have the Sega um, whatever anniversary collection that, that it was on the PS4 and then on the Switch as well. Um, I, I support developers that give me the opportunity to buy their games. Okay, I just want to make that absolutely clear because I I don't steal games. That being said, I also have a bunch of ROMs that may or may not have found their way to my computer from the internet. Or perhaps I have a giant stack of of video game cartridges and a ripper and unlimited amounts of time and I've ripped all these cartridges and put them on my computer myself. There's no way for anybody to know the difference. The, the idea here is, is that I have ROMs that, that, that I can play, okay? And if you email me asking me to share them with you, I will say no, okay? Uh, but I have these ROMs, and I have a, an arcade cabinet in my office that has those ROMs on it, on a Raspberry Pi. I have another Raspberry Pi that I keep hooked up to my streaming, uh, my my Twitch streaming PC, uh, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, by the way. And sometimes I will stream old games from there. I also bought the BitBoy because I wanted to have a portable gaming system that could play these really, really old games. Uh, I think that that's exciting. So... That's supposed to get here on Monday. And that might be the answer to your question there, Boomer underscore 1989. However, let's imagine that you are morally um, against ROMs and you want to play the games the the way... You, you, you want access to the games that 
uh, the developers and publishers have decided that it's okay for you to have access to. In that case, I think that the the best way for you to go about that would to be go out and buy a 2DS. Now a 2DS, I'm talking about the Wedge one. That's like $60. $60 for a 2DS. And that is going to give you access to probably the largest library of video games outside of Steam. That's every single Nintendo DS game is on there. Every single Nintendo 3DS game, with the exception of Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, would work on that. And not only that, but there's also the 3DS eShop, which you would have access to, and you would be able to buy games like the original Mario that you were talking about, or Sonic, or Afterburner, or whatever. Uh, you would be able to buy all that stuff. So... If you want to be 100% perfectly to the legal to the letter of the law, then I would say I would suggest you pick up a 2DS. However, if you are like me and think that um, retro ROMs is a morally gray area and it really depends on how you look at that, then make sure that you tune in to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash runjumpstompit. At some point soon, as soon as the device gets here, I am going to do like a, I don't know, maybe I'll do like an unboxing so you guys can see what the thing looks like and uh, a quick little review of it um, for my YouTube channel. So make sure that you tune in on there. And when I do, I will also talk about it here on this podcast, Run, Jump, Stomp. So thank you very much for uh, the tweet. All right. Um, we're getting close to 30 minutes, and I had two more quick topics that I wanted to talk about. Um, the other people who tweeted at me, I'll get to it in a future episode. So thank you very much. Uh, let's move on for a little bit. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains. Embarrassing bald spots, no problem. All right. Microsoft is is they're going to be launching a new Game Pass Ultimate subscription. You know, we're going back to this subscription model that we were talking about earlier. Uh, this is going to combine Xbox Live Gold as well as Xbox Game Pass. Now, Xbox Live Gold is, if you have an Xbox, you have the ability to play Xbox games online if you have Xbox Live Gold, all right? It also gets you... I think a couple of game of, of older games every month. It's just like the PSN uh, thing. And then there's the Xbox Game Pass. This is a secondary subscription that allows you to access what Microsoft's been doing with this has been really interesting. Uh, you can access like day one stuff, games that just came out. Like you get access to it on Xbox Game Pass. And Microsoft is, uh, this isn't uh, necessarily 100% announced, but it is rumored. Uh, the combination of Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live subscriptions would cost usually $19.98 per month, okay? However, with this new pass, this ultimate subscription, it's $14.99 a month. So you are basically saving $5 every single month. This makes a lot of sense because the new Xbox One S 
that that I talked about, I think earlier on the show, uh, is supposed to ship without a disc. Like there is no disc in the system. So how do you get all these games? Well, you get them through Game Pass. It makes perfect sense. Uh, this is something I anticipated that that Microsoft when back when the Xbox 360 first came out, you know, I and maybe this was foolhardy of me to think so, but I anticipated that at some point Microsoft would just give away their console and make money on a subscription service. That was what I had guessed. This is back when the Xbox 360 first came out. And it took a very, very long time, but we're getting closer to that. I mean, look at Google Stadia. That's what that's what I think Google's probably doing. Uh, they're just going to do a subscription or they're just going to let you buy the games. I don't know yet. Uh, but that's what I think is the, going to be the future of video games. It's going to be a subscription or probably, <laughs> unfortunately for us, multiple subscriptions. It's going to be uh, five bucks here, 10 bucks there, five bucks there. Uh, but we're probably not going to be buying games nearly as much anymore. Now, is this going to happen right away? No, but I'm just talking about the future. That's the future of video games. Anyway. Uh, this, this sounds like a really good deal. 15 bucks a month for Xbox game pass and Xbox live gold. I think that that's a steal. And, uh, if I had an Xbox, I would probably have signed up for this because that's money you're not spending on the actual games themselves. All right, let's switch over to something very, very surprising from the director of final fantasy 15. Okay, the director of Final Fantasy XV is, they, they, they actually surprised uh, and left Square Enix about five months ago. And they said that they were leaving to work on a project that I truly wish to solidify as my next challenge. And it's called the Pegasus Dream Tour. Now, what is the Pegasus Dream Tour? It is basically the Paralympics. So, you know, wheelchair racing, uh, people running who have had, you know, amputees who are running, they get that, that really, I hate to make light of it, but that super cool looking artificial leg, but like the springy curved plastic looking thing, you know what I'm talking about? Those things look cool. Um, the, the Pegasus Dream Tour is basically the Paralympics video game. So you think of, uh, we've, we've currently got uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics 2020, you know, well, actually every two years, basically, they keep making those games. But th this is so important. And the reason why this is, I, look, I don't play sports games very often. I do think it's important that they exist because I think that people who like sports like to see themselves on the screen. The addition of Paralympics to sports games is fantastic because it gives, it gives these kids who otherwise wouldn't be given an opportunity to see themselves in a game. And I don't think that there's another game out there that will ever be as inclusive as Pegasus. I think it's fantastic that that the director of Final Fantasy 15, uh, Mr. Hajime Tabata, uh, 
I, I think it's fantastic that he's decided to make a game like this because far too often the the video game industry is centered around this uh that this just the same characters over and over and over again. Oh look, it's a wise cracking white dude. You know, that's what it is over and over. And yes, in recent years, things have become more and more diversified. Look at um, Apex Legends. Apex Legends has probably the most diverse cast of characters that I've ever seen in a game as far as racially diverse. And then there's Octane. Dude doesn't have legs. All right. He's got robot legs and he's the fastest dude because he's got robot legs. It's awesome. Uh, but that's all ridiculousness. Like that's all like completely over the top, crazy, crazy stuff. The Pegasus Dream Tour is something that is much more grounded in reality. And I think at the end of the day, that's a very important thing. Um, Mr. Tabata said in a statement released by the uh, International Paralympic Community, uh, JP Games is going to represent fully the wonders that are unique to Paralympic sports in this brand new role-playing game, a genre we excel in. With this video game, we want to contribute to the future growth of the Paralympic Games, not just as a sporting event, but as entertainment as well, with the content that we hope will have a lasting value in the future. The sport at the Paralympics is outstanding and helps transform attitudes towards persons with dis with disabilities like no other event. I'm really excited to see and play this game and see how outstanding abilities of para-athletes are represented. And that's like, he, I hadn't read this part yet, <laughs> this little quote thing. He summed up what I was trying to say so much better than I did. Um, I just think it's great that, that more people will be able to see themselves represented in a game because far too often we see the same people over and over and over again every single time. Tunnel Runner from CBS Electronics, where the excitement never ends. I'm not trapped. Well, I'm not trapped. All right, you're not trapped either. It's time for us to get out of here. Uh, this has been Run, Jump, Stomp. Remember, use the Anchor app, call in, leave a voicemail. It really, really helps. Also, keep those tweets coming. Uh, use the hashtag RJSPod. R-J-S-P-O-D. And because I get a lot of stuff because I have a bunch of different shows and it helps me separate all the stuff for different shows. So uh, thanks for listening to Run, Jump, Stomp. And it is time for us to wrap things up. I hope to hear from you guys soon. You stay awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.